The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. This is The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you with thanks to TierlawnFarmLife.com. Good evening and you're very welcome to The Farm Show. It's Martin Bridgman here tonight. Matt's been very busy this past while with recordings on a variety of issues, as you'll hear coming up in the show later on. We'll uh, hear about an agricultural business course from Mark Moore. We'll have a regular um, Chagas advisory slot with Anya Butler this week. And the usual Mart report from Tulla Mart. And George will be joining us in the studio for the Kenny Mart report. But first, here's a recent interview that Matt did with our regular correspondent from Northern Ireland. We regularly speak with Richard Halloran of AgriLand and uh, focus mainly on the north of Ireland where he's based. Uh, Richard, how are you? Very well, Matt. Good to hear your voice. Listen, uh, as bad and all as the weather has been down this way, I hazard a guess it's been worse up at your end. Yeah, we had very heavy rain um, last week and the week before. All July, the month of July was a a total washout. Uh, I mean, we've had record rainfall levels, and I'm old enough just about to remember 1985. Um, but seemingly, the the rain that we had in July surpassed 1985, and that's saying something. Yeah, no, so, it's yeah. impacted. Obviously, grass started growing again after the drought in June, but it's after impacting harvesting down here. How badly affected were were your uh, tillage people? It's been snatch and grab, really. Um, winter barley, uh, well, it was harvested eventually. Um, straw was left lying for two, maybe three weeks. Some farmers, even though we don't have a straw um, corporation scheme up here, guys eventually just turned around and said, look, we'll just, we'll just leave it and we'll plough it in. Uh, unchopped, because they hadn't chopped it, obviously, uh, as it came off the back of the um, the combine. Uh, there's very little oilseed rape growing up, up in this part of the world. The big protein crop up here would be beans. And I'm hearing that actually, despite all of the, the weather pressure, beans are looking tremendously well, as would forage maize crops. Forage maize, I'm told, and I've seen some some crops recently, are looking tremendously well. Um, so I suppose those those would be two bright um Bright shafts of light, um, you know, and, and, and interspersed within the darkness of it all, really. What about winter wheat and winter barley? I, I've heard that despite all the interruptions and the and the calamities that have affected the crops right through the season from last autumn, that yields were on a five year average anyway. Yeah, they would have been. Uh, we wouldn't have. I mean, the further north you come, I think from a geographical point of view, the further north you come, irrespective of the weather and the back end, um, Barley yellow dwarf virus isn't that big of an issue with uh, with growers up in this part of the world. So BYDV was not that big of an issue last year. The issue was getting crop in. Um, it just was a, 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 a an absolute and total nightmare. But I think um, the bigger issue is the, the, the grain was harvested, but the moisture levels were up at 25%, 26%. So there's a serious cost against all of that for these professional grain growers, producers, to, to get the grain dried now. Um, so, and obviously the market, the markets have come back year on year as well. Um, winter, winter wheat is looking quite good. Um, I'm hearing yields three and a half, three and a half ton to four ton to the acre. Um, and we've had a few reasonable days up here this week. Uh, yes, there's been the odd, uh, shower of rain, but, um, after the deluge that we had, I think it was last 
Thursday into Friday. Um, things have dried up pretty well. So we'll, uh, fingers crossed um, the guys can get on with the, the harvest now and uh, get it completed. Um, I, I don't know whether you have much um, malting barley or, or, or spring feed barley up your way down here in the southeast, especially a lot of the malting uh, barley has, hasn't has passed muster, so won't qualify for the premium. And I've, I heard one... I heard one grower describing it in some cases as as three crops in one field: the original crop, uh, the the additional growth after the after the drought and the rain came, and then weeds got in about a month ago. So, not a good news story there. Yeah, spring barley would be the main crop grown in this part of the world, but zero levels would be directed for for malting. I mean, there might be the odd crop grown by. Um, a very small number of growers. The, the the vast bulk of spring barley here was grown for feed purposes, and the bulk of it went in early in May. Um, and its crops are not looking good. And going back to the 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 rain of July, the rain of July actually brought a lot of spring barley crops on quite well. Um, some of the crops did lie down at that stage, uh, but look, spring barley is not a good story. Um, and I think by the time we get another two weeks, three weeks ahead of ourselves, we'll we'll hear the real, the real bad news coming out of that. I mean, yields are going to be very poor, straw is going to be very poor, um, and I mean, that's fact. I mean, we 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 we, we there, there's no brushing over that reality. Um, I think if we look forward to this autumn, I, I think uh, professional tillage operators in Northern Ireland will genuinely be looking at a real opportunity to get more winter crop in. They didn't get that opportunity last year, and they'll genuinely be looking at that opportunity this year if the weather and soil conditions permit. You mentioned uh, grain prices, Richard, and the news not good in this part of the world anyway. We're talking about little or no possibility of barley, for instance, making €200. That's more than €100 back on last season and possibly poorer quality in some instances, and then wheat up just marginally 10 or 15 euro from that. Yeah. Um, well, just, just to complete one point uh, that, that that has been made, uh, or that I've been made aware of, I, I think you're going to see a lot of guys look at spring barley in particular and just simply say, do you know what, we're going to put this into a clamp and just make silage from it, out of it. That's, I think you, you will see that up here in, in quite a number of instances. Um but for me, the issue is drying these crops now, uh, and the cost that's that's in, that's that, that you have to set against all of that. Um, and obviously, there's the the, the the average reduction in yield year on year that I'm hearing is about one ton to the acre. That's across winter barley and 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 the the winter wheat that's been um, harvested up to this point. Oats wouldn't be that big of a crop in this part of the world. Uh, nor, as I said earlier, would be uh, oilseed rape. Um, beans are actually now the uh, the break crop of choice because we do have the uh, the protein aid scheme up here. Uh, it's working out, I think, at three hundred pounds to the hectare. Um, but above and beyond that, I mean, bean crops are, are looking tremendously well. So, yeah, yeah, it's being said that the a big, a very big corn or maize, as we call it crop in North America is going to depress and keep uh, grain prices pretty much depressed for the rest of the year. That's what I'm hearing as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I I, I pick up on um, a lot of the commentary from your part of the world in terms of an aid package for the tillage sector. Uh, the reality in Northern Ireland is we don't have functioning uh, a functioning executive. So there is zero opportunity of the politicians up here stepping in 
um, to help the cause of arable or tillage farmers. So that's that, that's another factor that uh, the, the 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 guys with crops are having to uh, work through as well at the moment. There, there there's there would be no aid package at all above and beyond what's available. That's it. It's the market. Ex- that. Ex- expand on that, Richard, in the context of Brexit, that you're no longer. Uh, members of the European Union, um, has the British government introduced any kind of a, a comparative package to support farmers generally, or is it is it you know the devil take the hindmost and whoever can compete and and and, and live with world market prices will, will, will be there? Well, once Brexit took effect and we had the night 2019 election in Westminster, that saw Boris. Johnson come back in with the the eighty whatever seat majority that the the Tories currently have, and tying in with that, there was a commitment that uh, the single payment tier one payments, as you would call them under the the previous cap regime, would be kept in place until the end of this current Parliament. So we're looking at uh, the single payment equivalent equivalents being retained in place until well, how long will this Parliament? Last four, we could be talking May of 2024. We could, I, I'm not sure. I mean, we could be looking at 12 months. We could be looking at six months. I mean, it, 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 no one's going to give you a definitive perspective on that. Once we get into a new dispensation out of Westminster, then big questions have to be asked. Number one, what will be the commitment towards a farm support budget? And that overall sense, nothing, nothing has come out of any papers or any discussions um, through London, uh, from London uh, on, on that particular matter. So as the months tick by uh, and we start to see the end of what was the single payment support system here, big questions then, you know, must be asked is that, you know, in terms of where are we going and where's the money? The big question is where's the money? Um, and I don't think anyone uh, can answer that. Certainly in Northern Ireland is in a position to answer that question at the moment. A lot of concern in the Republic, Richard, over these trade deals that have been completed by the UK government, specifically Australia and New Zealand, uh, the impact could be quite significant on competing, uh, say, livestock products, particularly, and dairy from Ireland going into the UK. Uh, what's your assessment of that? Well, I think that those people who are concerned have every right to be concerned. Um, I think if you look at both Australia and New Zealand, they would see China now as their main market. But they now have the UK in their back pocket as the, if and when they need it. So, uh, I mean, it, it is, it's a free trade agreement that has been reached between the UK and the two companies that you mentioned. So, I mean, all, it's, it's all up for grabs, really. But, um, while China remains, you know, a reasonable market for them, I don't think they're going to, if I could use the word dump, possibly, I don't think they're going to see the UK as a main market outlet, but it's there for them if they want it or if they need it. And I think that would be the concern. It's the unpredictability of it all, really. Back inside the farm gate, Richard, uh, after the drought in June, grass began to grow again rapidly and bulked up well. Does, there doesn't look to be any serious deficit at this stage now heading towards next winter. Is, is is that comparable to the experience of Northern Ireland no, farmers? No, look, I, I walked some fields of my own there this morning, and there's an there's an amazing amount of grass. I mean, uh, that's been one of the benefits of the of, of the the rain and and the heat that we've had. I mean, there's there's tremendous grass there at the moment, um, and obviously that can be grazed on. Uh, growing conditions, despite the rain, growing conditions have held up very well, and I I, I assume that's a direct 
um, uh, follow on from the very dry June that we had. I mean, growing conditions, I, I don't know what they're like with yourselves, but for the most part, grazing ground has held up tremendously well. Um, I'm hearing, uh, looking at the silage side, I mean, silage is very important up here. Um, we have 300, if you look at the dairy industry, we have 300,000 dairy cows. Um, 50% of those cows would be, you know, uh, calved during the autumn winter period. So you're talking about uh, very heavy feeding of concentrates, very heavy reliance on, on, on silage. So silage quality is a big issue for both dairy and for beef, beef finishers here, but certainly the dairy industry. Um, I'm hearing that uh, there's huge variation in first cut silage quality. Uh, quantity will not be an issue. Second cuts, um, I mean, very high, very, very low dry matters, very high moisture levels. Um, a lot of bales made recently, certainly close to me. I, 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 I farm. I have some land there in County Down, not that far away from Belfast. And the guys around me are making bales at the moment rather than putting second cut into a clamp for the most part. But I agree with you. I mean, there will not be a shortage of forage this year. Um, but uh, there are some ominous signs coming through that uh, the first cut silage, silage is a lot of them are very, very variable in terms of their quality. And of course, whilst there may be ample forage, uh, income may be an issue. Uh, milk prices are in free fall and no, no sign of a bottom. Well, the point I made uh, holds, I think, very well in that regard. Um, guys with winter, autumn, winter calving cows, uh, they traditionally put serious amounts of meal into these animals. Um, so it's a high cost production system. This time last year, they were getting 45p and we peaked, I think, around November at 50p sterling for milk plus whatever uh, winter bonuses were available um, for butter, fat and protein. I mean, we're, we're, we're down below 30 pence sterling at the moment and could be, could at, at best, we're looking at prices plateauing. They're not going to, I'm hearing there's no likelihood of milk price increase, of, an in, of a milk price increase until the new year. And even then, we're talking relatively small, uh, small increases. So, uh, yeah, the dairy industry here now is in for a very tough, winter feeding season. Of that, there's no doubt. In terms of uh, livestock then, Richard, uh, prices, beef prices have come back here significantly and, and sheep prices have come back pro rata to a higher level. But there's a lot of um, muttering and mumbling over the fact that there's a significant and increasing premium uh, for beef on the British market compared to what the Irish are able to get. Are, are you finding that as, as Northern Ireland part of the UK? Sorry, are you asking me that is is there a premium for Northern Irish cattle as, uh, uh, above and beyond what's, what's available? I, 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 I'm I'm assuming yeah that Northern Irish cattle as as UK cattle if you like are at that higher plane than uh, than Irish produced beef. No, the one factor you've got to take account of is the the reality that um, while Brexit has taken effect, um, there's free free trade in beef. Dairy, all the, the 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 farming commodities, the, the the food commodities on the island of Ireland. So we're all lumped together. Then, I mean, I I don't, I'm not, I'm not aware of there being any definitive advantage um, for northern cattle or northern beef versus vis-a-vis um, Irish beef. Um, the, I mean, the the, the 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 processing side of the the business. I mean, it's an all island beef business that we're now operating within. I mean, all the players in the Republic of Ireland are operating in Northern Ireland in, in equal measure. Um, and it, it's Irish beef. It's all island Irish beef, really, what, in terms of what we're looking at. 
So I, I live I'm in not part, But what what I would say is, um, th there has been um, looking ahead. One of the uh, w one of the proposals that's been around um, for maybe three years now is that there's going to be some form of ring fenced suckler cow scheme in Northern Ireland. Um, and that has, uh, that has encouraged, we're seeing now an, an increase in, 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 in suckler cow numbers. It's certainly young, young heifers coming in, um, which I hadn't seen or hadn't been, uh, uh, documented for maybe a decade. Yeah, that's a change from what's happening, uh, further south. Finally, Richard, any chance of a government being formed, of a, a local northern government being formed before Christmas? Talk, uh, no, I can't see it. The, the, the thinking now is that the, the Democratic Unionist Party or the DUP are just going to sit their ground until the outcome of the next uh, UK general election. Listen, we'll, that, hope for, we'll, we'll hope for more positive news right across all the fronts uh, when, when we speak again, uh, Richard. Thank you very much for joining me. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. For our regular Chegask advice slot, we're joined by Anya Butler. Anya, you're very welcome to The Farm Show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Listen, lots, uh, before we get down to the various uh, schemes and closing dates and so on and so forth, uh, lots of grass out there now, thank God. Yes, plenty, thank God, yeah. Um, we're gone from the far side of the drought now, I think, um, into into the other side. Yeah, and uh, for the most part, ground is holding up very well. Wetter, wetter fields, wetter land, though, I, I'd imagine, is, is suffering a little bit. Yeah, just a small bit. Just being out on farms now, the heavier lads, um, you know, are just seeing a, a bit of a difference there. Um, still plenty of grass all right and look sure you'd be trying to get most lads to build grass and I suppose we did get a few dry days there last week where some lads might have got a chance to um, cut a bit more silage like um, and assess where they're at that way um, I know they got first cuts taken in, in good time um, but getting back out and getting that second cut uh, took a bit more time but there should be plenty of fodder there for the winter and um, hopefully we'll get a few more dry days and stay out a bit longer Certainly, that'll be a that'll be a, that'll be a great boost going into the autumn. Uh, the first thing I want to deal with the new beef scheme because uh, it's it's open a couple of weeks now, and there is a closing date looming in early September. So people want to get the skids on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the new national beef welfare scheme, I suppose it's um there instead of the previously known beef best scheme, um for suckler herds. And I suppose it opened, they were slow to announce it, but um, it opened there about two weeks ago and the closing date now is the 12th of September. Um, we haven't had a huge amount of calls uh, for just yet. I think maybe people are a bit um, apprehensive. So I suppose there's two mandatory actions uh, this time round, and that would be the IVR blood testing of the herd. And then the second action would be meal feeding of calves. Um, and people will be familiar with that action before under under BFX, but they've done away with the the weighing, I suppose, because that's now part of the suckler scheme. And I have heard of, you know, it's good to see people are still um out there taking dung samples, but that's not part of, of the scheme. So I suppose to get paid for the the new scheme, you have to blood test your herds and you have to um do the meal feeding. 
And I suppose, you know, some of the questions come in is, why are we blood testing for IBR? And I suppose where that came from is like on a European-wide basis, they're looking at bringing in an IBR eradication program. Um, and in some of these countries, like we export live animals to these countries. So I suppose it makes sense for the national progression of the Irish uh, cattle industry to see, get a handle on the IBR status here um, and see what we should do uh, if they are going to head towards an eradication program, get a handle on where it is at the moment. Um, so I suppose, Matt, it's a, it's a starting point uh, for Ireland to see where IBR is. Like we would hope that, you know, it isn't a prevalent, I suppose, virus here. But like in some parts, they wouldn't notice that they actually have it. Um, signs might not be, you know, there, but an animal might not be just necessarily thriving. Um, it's a respiratory, uh, upper tract virus. So it's not always, uh, I suppose, a big, um, illness in herds. Yeah. So a, a definite rationale there in terms of maintaining or indeed improving our uh, health status. In terms of the meal feeding, four weeks before weaning and two weeks afterwards, there's a lot of logic attached there too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like I suppose just for people to get their head around it, like with their dates, like uh, when you go in to make the application, which is open online now at the moment, and, you know, farmers can go in on their ag food and submit the application on, under the scheme. Um, it's there under the, the National Beef Welfare Scheme, um, or your agent can do it for you. But when you go in, they'll present you with your eligible calves that were born on the, on the whole in there, uh, since the, the eligible calves would have been born since last July, um, the first July last year to the 30th of June this year. Um, so in that instance, some of these calves are already, if you were an autumn haver, some of these calves have already been meal fed. Um, and maybe they're already sold actually, um, and weaned off the cows. So like, in that situation, people just want to be careful with dates, like, and I suppose record the dates that you are, um, introducing the meal feeding because if on inspection they look for, um, the receipts and the jackets, they would have to match up with when you were actually four weeks before you were weaning them and then two weeks after, and then you would have your sales jacket. So they'd be able to see when those animals left the herd and be able to go backwards on that. So I suppose like some of the questions that have been coming in is, you know, the different types of meal and um, how much to feed. But like the the, the nitty gritty of the scheme doesn't get into that. Like we always say best practice. So if they, they did look for the proof, it would be that um, you're, you know, feeding a kilo, two kilos. And, and you know, the majority of the sucker herds are doing that anyway. Um, so I wouldn't be letting that that fear them at all. Um, and they'll have a receipt from their co-ops to say that they were they were doing that action. Um, and it is a good payment. It's um, 35 euro per calf. Um, look, it's not as good as what the the old BFS scheme was. Um, we're only getting paid on a maximum of 40 calves now. So if you have 40 eligible calves um, by 35, then you're getting 1,400 euro there as a maximum payment for just meal feeding. Um, but obviously the IBR is a mandatory um, action. So you would have to then go and blood test 20 of the animals um, and your vet then would come out and do that and send off the blood samples um, and then that payment on 20 animals would be 300 euro so the maximum payment for the scheme is 1700 euro if you have the max 40 calves 
No, that's not that's not to be sniffed at, and uh, it also can assist in your in your the health status of your animals, and definitely in the the the, the welfare, and indeed the the reduction in stress around um around weaning time, and and you may well you're likely to be doing it anyway. So it, it looks like a lot of positives. You want to get people to to register as soon as possible because that that deadline's only a, a couple of a couple of weeks away now. Yeah, so it's only sure. I suppose it's it's less than three weeks away. Um, look, people are on holidays and might not have got to sit down and have a look at. Uh, I suppose there's so many schemes and deadlines going on at the moment. I mentioned a few more in a few minutes, but like it's just so people don't miss out on it. Um, I wouldn't let the IVR uh test and hold them back. Like we've been trying to get people to link up with vets that maybe you know some people at the moment are actually herd testing. So, like, the vet is coming out anyway. So, if you could link up with them that way, then the call-out fee would be, um, you know, dismissed. And, like, look, I just gave a, a quick point round to a few vets yesterday. I'd be covering South and Kenny. Um, and they're kind of saying it's kind of between three and five euro per animal for the blood testing. Um, and then, obviously, they have a separate fee for the call-out. So, Look, you could be talking for blood tests of 20 animals. You could be talking in or around that 140, 150, 150, 140, uh, euro, um, for, for the herd. But like, when you look at the bigger picture and, and what we're getting first, um, I'd still encourage people to be in it. Uh, you know, every little helps, you know, yourself at, at this time of the year, like getting paid for something. Yeah, registration uh, of uh, fertilizer use also necessary for certain cohorts of farmers anyway, Anya. Yes, so the fertilizer database is up and running. Um, again, there's calls coming in, but not as quick as we thought they were going to be coming in. Um, so that's open and basically you have to be registered um, on the Ag Food to purchase fertilizer or line before the 1st of September. Now, the system will remain open. That's not the issue. But if you go into your co-op on the 5th, 6th of September, you wouldn't be able to purchase your fertilizer or line because they will look for your herd number. And when they input it in the system, it'll go green or red. And it'll say if, you, if you're ticked for the fertilizer database. Again, I wouldn't let it fear people. Um, you know, uh, just go on and get it done so that you can go in and get it purchased. Um, and it'll just save you a hassle in the, in the long run. No, that's for every farmer, is it? That's for every farmer. So a lot of mine, um, I'd be dry stock. So, you know, to look and not, uh, there, I'd have a handful that might not be spreading fertilizer at all, but maybe purchasing lime. So I'm just telling them to get the box ticked anyway. We don't have an option because it'll be every, across every co-op, um, and industry that you buy your fertilizer or lime. Okay. An update on you on the lime, uh, support measure that the minister introduced. He, he, he he increased the funding, but it's likely that there'll be a, a shortfall in the amount you can apply for. Yeah, look, I suppose like anything when that was incentivized, we kind of um we got excited, but it drove everything else up on the other side. So we were initially given a maximum of two hundred tons that you could apply for, and um, relevant to the soil samples that were on your farm. Um, so if you did get an inspection, they would look for soil samples to show that you needed the line. So I found a lot of mine had taken soil samples um, since they applied for that scheme. So since April, there's been soil samples coming in every week. Um, and some of those soil samples don't need um, lime at all. So in that case, if they purchased the lime, they necessarily um, didn't actually need it. So the, the department wasn't going to pay out on that. But in relation to the scheme, 
they've kind of gone back now and said that they're going to pay out on 40 tonnes instead of 200 tonnes, um, a max of 40 tonnes. But just talking here amongst ourselves um, and just from, like, the inside, they're saying that, like, there is meant to be letters going out to individual herds and it'll tell you how much they're going to pay out. So if you only apply for 40 tonnes, maybe they won't pay out on that full 40 tonnes now. Is that letter going to come? Who knows? Um, but I'd be just encouraging people to get it. But buy it anyway if you need it. If your size sample said you need line, buy it. We will get uh, some money towards it. Um, and hold on to your jackets and your receipts because, again, they have to be uploaded before the 31st of October to actually get paid. So it's it's all well and good buying it, but we won't actually get the money back unless we have proof of, of purchase. And just make sure that you do have soil samples um, taken, you know, in the last year or two that show that you need the line requirement uh, on the fields. Oh, this record keeping getting more and more uh, onerous all the, t- all the time on you. What's this about needing to upload receipts for different receding options? Is, is, or am I misreading that? No, so at the moment, um, again, it wouldn't be relevant to everybody, but, uh, you know, regardless of your enterprise, back when you were doing your base payment, you could have applied for the red clover measure or the multi-species measure. So basically the departments were, again, um, incentivizing you to go receiving either with multi-species or red clover, and they were giving you uh, money back instead of the bags of seed that you purchased. That was all well and good, and then you were meant to get your receiving done and hold on to your receipt and upload it before the 31st of August. So these receipts have been coming into us, but we've nowhere to put them because the system actually isn't live on the department. Now, I know myself and a few other advisors have gone to the department and they've now said that they're going to extend that until the end of September. So it's just to give a reminder to people if they did apply for that, um, like it was worth while I think top of my head now it was 50 euro bag, um, you could get back uh, for for saying you're going to uh, reseed a field, um, two hectares, three hectares. Um, so if you hold on to the receipt, we will get it up. Um, or if you're doing it yourself, you can upload it online. But you know, if anyone is doing it themselves, just be aware it's not actually open at the moment. They did say they'd send out a text once it goes live. But we're now on the twenty third of August and it hasn't gone live yet. I'm I'm coming to the conclusion, uh, and and I know all the rationale for all of these uh, all of these re- records and so on. But I, I think we're going to have to have an extra special eighth day in the week for farmers to keep up with all of this. Anya, uh, uh, everything else we're up to date, are we? Yeah, I think so. Um, look, I could spend all day talking about dates and schemes. Unfortunately, um, that's uh, a lot of what's going on. Um, there's a lot of things to keep in mind, but there will be a few of us on over the next few weeks. Um, just to give people a reminder, we could do a separate calendar, as you said, just to keep track of them. Um, there's not really the only other one that's coming to mind is for anyone in the sector scene, then separate to the national beef scene. So that national beef welfare scheme is just a one year scheme, just to reiterate that. So if you go in this year, that's only covering you for this year. Um, and there'll be something else again similar next year. But the sucker scheme for people that entered into that in April, it's a five-year scheme. And just to be aware of the dates that by now they should have got their genomic tags. I know they were slow to send them out because so many hard signing up and this, that and the other. But they should be getting those um their genotyping reports back in September. And just to be aware that we we the first date we need to be meeting then is the 31st of October for the 50% uh, requirement for your four or five-star eligible females. 
Um, but again, look, we'll be touching base uh, with people on that and keeping them up to date. Um, but for now, no, I think that's, um, that's everything. We have a, a open day coming up in Cadalton on the 8th of September. Um, it's a suckler autumn, uh, beat walk, but, uh, one of my colleagues will be on further near to the time to discuss that. Yeah, and we'll be talking about closing dates in September uh, that they'll be coming up uh, in, in, in the coming months as well. Anya Butler of Chagas, thank you very much for joining us on The Farm Show. Perfect. Thanks, Matt. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. I'm always amazed at the increasing diversity of educational opportunities in what I call the, 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 the broader farming uh, sphere. Mark Moore, um, the Certificate in Business Strategy. Tell me about it because you were the instigator. Well, Matt, it's something we started quite a while ago in 2015 when quotas were going. Chagas wanted to offer a course in strategy to, to farmers faced with new opportunities and chances, etc. So we, we, we actually formulated a partnership with the Smurfit Business School, whereby they deliver 80 or 90% of the course, uh, and we make sure that the course is appropriate for farmers, uh, not just dairy farmers, all farmers. And we've run it now for about eight years in a row, and we have over 110 people completing the course and it has been very successful. Yeah, even looking at some of the photos of the graduates, I recognise some of them, the likes of Emilda Kinsella there. What kind of people uh, are attracted to the course or that you want to attract to the, to the, to the certificate? Well, generally it tends to be people who are in commercial farm it's aimed at farmers or people who have a farm and an interest in farming and who are trying to think about their future maybe in terms of the one-year time frame or a three-year time frame and it's not just about an expansion strategy it could be a succession strategy it could be a diversification strategy but what it's about is deciding what do i want out of my business what do i want out of my what my life my work-life balance is increasingly important and what we do is we get people to describe their situation now and where they would like to be in a certain time frame and then the whole idea is to gain the skills as to give you the best chance to get to where you want to be. And you don't have to have a certain level of education, but you do have to be running, managing the business, the farm. Exactly. I mean, you might think with the Smurfit Business School, you need you need sort of a big leaving certificate or something. That's not the case at all. Providing you have been running your own business for, say, five years, you know, that you've been the principal of that business, it really doesn't matter what educational background you have, because your experience in running the business qualifies you to take part. Sell the idea of it to me in, on the basis of how I would come out a, a better person, I'll call it that way, in terms of, of management skills and so on. Well, what the course does, it makes you take a step back and it's a residential course where you come away for about five days in total. You think about your business, you're in a room, it's executive education, you'll be challenged to talk about your business and you listen to some very other, very clever other people who are running businesses, you'll share ideas, you, you'll have a whole new perspective. Very often we spend a lot of time looking at our businesses day to day to day to day and we get so caught up in the chores we don't get a chance to think about the big picture. What doing this course is, it, it takes you out of that day to day working, makes you think about managing people, managing yourself and what you want to get out of the business, not how much income you want but also how many hours do you want to work and what kind of work do you want to be doing. From what you're saying, I'm interpreting it that it's entirely flexible on the basis that the person is running a business and therefore has to fit this in. The 
the the requirement is not huge, Matt. It's three days residential in November and two days residential in December, which particularly for a spring calving dairy herd is, is kind of doable. Now, you will have to get cover. And there's a little bit of homework in the background in terms of describing your business now and talking to stakeholders, which could be your wife or your children or your siblings or your neighbours. So there's a little bit of work involved. But what you end up with is a concrete document which will give you the best chance of making the most of your resources. And you'll also have an accredited qualification from the Smurfit Business School. Yeah, it sounds like it's very time-friendly. You better give me the, the, the logistics, mark the details. How, If I'm interested, how do I sign up? Um, who do I go to? What do I do? Well, contact your local Chagask office or else contact me, Mark Moore, at Chagask HQ and we'll give you the specific details and dates that you would need to be present and, and the other the other details around the course. But it's, it's, it's something where the people who have done the course have been absolutely delighted with having done so. And very often what we do, Matt, is we put people who are interested in the course in touch with somebody who's done it so they can get a first-hand one-to-one feedback as to whether it's for them or not. And the, uh, the, the, the current um, people coming in, is there still time to sign up for the current season, for the next season? Yeah, we're recruiting at the moment for this year. So for 2023, November, December is when it'll happen. Uh, and anybody who puts their name down now, there's no great commitment. We'll keep in touch and we'll provide them with all the information they need to do to proceed. So, but there, there, there will be, it'll be a, a small group of people of about 12 to 16 people. So if you're interested, the, if you put your name name down or express an interest, we'll make sure that there's an opportunity for you to proceed. Mark, thank you very much. Well, there we go. Uh, an interesting course, and thanks to Mark and to Anya Butler from Chagask for their regular inputs here. And um, so, George Cadler will join us shortly um, with the Mart Report from Kilkenny. But first, let's have the uh, Tullamart Report with uh, Eric Driver. Another large sale today in Tullow here with over 2,500 sheep on offer and the trade there, a good heavy, steady trade for the heavy shaped sheep, the store lamb trade, again lots of farmer customers here around the ring and uh, we could simply say steady on last week here, steady as it goes. Looking at some prices then, those lambs over 46 kilos today, they're selling there those well-fledged sheep there from uh, 138 up to 146 and 7 there with those 52, 53 kilo lambs there selling from 147 up to 155 there top call today day in Tullow. Store lamb trade then, very active trade there for those 30 to 34, 35 kilos there selling from 86 and 7 up to 94 and 5 euros with some of those 35, 36 kilos there breaking up touching on 100 and 101 or 2 but it has to be said, the Yoan weather types are breaking away from the ram lambs as we move into the store trade here and then those 40 to 42 kilos they're selling anything there from 107 and 8 depending on flesh, up to a top call there of 125 and 6 differential in price but also in, in quality there Cash show trade, no great change here in the cash shows there. The store yo selling anything there from uh, 150 to 170, 80 per kilo there, with the heavy yo's up to a top call today of 245 euros and lots of yo's between 180 and 220. Over in the brood ring, Hoggett selling there from 170 up to 240. Large differential there in price, but also in the type of Hoggett offered. Age Joe's there, genuine twos and threes there from 160 to 200. With the younger, uh, with the more age Joe's then selling from 120 to 170. And just to remind everyone, tomorrow Wednesday, we have the Tullus Sheep Breeder second sale. All happening here tomorrow, 100 and 1,250 old lambs and just 950 Hoggets. Thank you. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. 
KCLR Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for over 60 years. Well, if there's any indication of how busy today's Mart is, is that George appears to have run in. In a louder and sweat, as we used to say, George, good to see you. How are things at uh, Mart today? Okay, thanks, uh, thanks, Martin. Uh, no, actually, the the sale wasn't that big. It's just I I, I did a few jobs uh, after after work, so I, I'm a little bit uh, out of breath. Uh, yes, a, a little bit bigger today, but a very good trade. A slightly bigger sale today of cattle in Kilkenny. All lots met a fast selling trade. Cull cows specifically, they really uh, went very well today. Friesian store bullocks also meeting a better trade. They were make, making trading from. Say 170, 180, and two euro per kilo was hard to find. I noted today that uh, two euro, two twenty, two two thirty, and for the fancy types up to two forty per kilo. So that's an uh, indication that things are improving somewhat. And ninety seven percent clearance today in Kilkenny. So six hundred kilo plus bullocks range from two euro to three ten per kilo. That's thirteen eighty to two thousand and sixty per head. Five to six hundred kilo bullock from two euro to three thirty per kilo. Ten twenty to seventeen thirty per head with a four to five hundred kilo bullock from 180 to 325 per kilo that's 750 to 1560 per head and uh, lighter types there 180 to 377 per kilo and 560 to 1320 per head that top call was for um, uh, the uh, top call there was for two Charlie bullocks 355 kilo 1,320 euro per head. So, uh, some dizzy prices still available. Friesian colored cows, 80 cent to 230 per kilo, and everything sold in this department are from 180 to 250 for the Continentals. Beef heifers from 225 to 285 per kilo, that's 1360 to 1670 per head. Forward stores from 240 to 295 per kilo, 980 to 1330 per head, with the lighter ties from 180 to 296 per kilo, or from 580 to 1140 per head. So, uh, good times, Martin. Thank goodness. A little bit uh, more better news to relate to the people out there. And uh, I, I would suggest that maybe next week those prices could encourage more people to to come out because we were struggling for quite a while, but uh, things seem to have stabilised. Yeah, it's it. I just just you know knowing what I know and hearing what you're saying, there just seems to be it's not it's not a radical drop and rise. It seems to be just going in the right direction. It's going in the right direction yeah. and, and no harm to say on the sheep front anyway. A bigger sale on on, on Monday and we had. Special sale of breeding hoggets on Monday also, and that sale ten fifty on offer. That's a big sale for Kilkenny, maybe not for Tullow, but a bigger sale of sheep. Uh, trade similar to last week. Heavy lambs specifically, they appear to be in short supply. So you're talking about butcher lambs ranging from two seventy to three ten per kilo, or one hundred forty five euro to one hundred sixty eight per head. Actually, the one hundred fifty five to one hundred sixty kilo barrier was broken on a number of occasions for those good butcher type factory types from uh, two eighty to three twenty per kilo, one hundred seventeen to one hundred. 44 per head and the store lands from 70 euro to 112 per head. Now in the cast U division a, good, a stronger trade than usual 75 to 250 per head and our breeding hoggets 190 to 285 per head and that that actually that's say a complete a complete clearance in that sector. Now Monday next of course we have a sheep sale we also will be taking breeding ewes and that, that sheep sale will kick off at 10.15 breeding ewes will be uh, on conclusion of the lamb and cast ewes sale and uh, Thursday next 
next, of course, we have our um, general cattle sale. It's a busy weekend for me. On uh, to, uh, I was just going to ask, is there ever anything <laughs> other than a busy weekend for you, George, to be <laughs> busy, honest? Busy weekend. Uh, tomorrow night I'll be in the dog craft for Lachlan Gales. They'll have their special dog night on tomorrow night uh, for that great club of Lachlan Gales. I've nothing to I'm living in Dixborough area. Don't worry about that. I was just going to say, you have, yeah. to, you have uh, demented loyalties. You have to be careful here. Yeah, and the village we know about too and uh, and all over and even Gorham friends all in Bellis Bridge so but anyway dog night tomorrow night for Lachlan Gales uh, in the dog track in Kilkenny on uh, Saturday I'd love to be in Pilltown but unfortunately, it clashes with the Sheep Ireland sale. There's 520. That's the biggest ram sale ever to be held in Ireland. Uh, will be in uh, Tullamore Mart next uh, next Saturday, kicking off uh, in the 11, 11 o'clock region. Uh, that's on next Saturday. And on Sunday, where am I? I'm at the Vintage Day in, in James's Park. And uh, As we will be, Carol will be. I love my chat with Carol there, yeah. uh, there on, the, uh, on the morning there. And uh, I think the Sub Aqua Club at the main bit fisheries there and there's another uh, club involved there also it escapes me at the moment but you'll hear all about that on the day so that's Sunday and uh, back to work on Monday Martin so it's well, going to be you know if fun. you can fit it in at all like you know <laughs> but no joke aside I mean the 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 amount of work that uh, you know say the, the 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 motor club or each of the other things that you've been involved in I mean they're very very important and like the Relay for Life I was only talking to somebody recently about all the work that goes into it and it's not that they were complaining they were just saying it just takes an awful lot of it getting does, everybody together yes. and everybody kind of handing up a couple of hours of their time and if a dozen people do that things work well, in it fairness, doesn't fall to uh, one person uh, uh, personally it has nothing to do I, I turn up on the day it's all yeah. organised so it's easy to turn up on the day and uh, as someone said BS I won't say what it is you're <laughs> going to even take it from there and uh, yeah. normally we have uh, Mr Rivers is there here on the, on the day right Mr Lakes in other words oh right <laughs> the, the, the Lakes fella yeah 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 you can't, we're, so, we're, we're everywhere yeah. between this that and the other and, but to, and of course just, just uh, touching on that too and Amanda was normally there a year in year out late great Johnny Barry yeah and, we just uh, had we, that we first remembered him last year yeah. and no doubt he, he, he will be badly missed that, that was a very very quick year George wasn't yeah, it very indeed very yeah. it was indeed yes so tell me the, the, the numbers you mentioned just while we have a minute uh, the numbers you mentioned of sheep that seems like a huge amount is that an indication of people having confidence in the market well, or well, is it just circumstance? Well I think the circumstance has been that the, uh, Kilkenny has been a very good sale for, for heavy lambs, uh, a few more store lambs appearing also but uh, numbers wouldn't be what they used to be. I remember times in Kilkenny in the old mart where we'd have maybe four and a half, five thousand sheep and a big sale in Kilkenny as you say, a thousand and fifty last week, we might get up to eleven or twelve hundred but once again places like Tulla would have more sheep than us, they'd have about two thousand plus as, as Eric mentioned so, so yeah. all in all, it, it, the, the sheepmen in Kilkenny are, are, are much, much less. Of course, they have concentrated on dairy, and uh, that's to the demise of not only the sheepman, but also the suckler farmer. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's the way farming goes around. And, of course, at the moment, um, there's a little bit of a, a reduction in the milk price. So confidence there is a little bit shaky, but hopefully, uh, you know, it will level out. It's, it's a little bit like spinning plates. As you say, there's a large number of sheep, but on, on, on the other side, it depends on how you... You, you balance everything out but there's that that sense that things are just 
okay, let's not talk too much up or down. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and actually, uh, if anything, on, on, on observation of, of sheep sales, I think heavy lambs with flesh cover are scarce. So maybe they, they'll, they'll, they'll hit a, a fairly good a level trade, I would think. And probably stores with the grass growing also will, will level out. Great stuff, George. Thanks as always. And thanks to all our guests and contributors this evening. From me, Martin Bridgman, Matt will be back live in studio next week. And as we say, farm well, farm safely. And a very good night. The Farm Show on KCLR. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com.